You're listening to the Sex Mansters Podcast. Now, let's get into the show. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Do it again now. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. That's right, ladies. I am on here right now to tell you about toxic feminism. Some of you have taken feminism to such an extreme that it is the entire problem in your relationship. Now I get what you wanted to say here. What is a guy going to say about feminism? Oh, isn't he part of the male patriarchy? If that is your first instinct, if that is the very first thing that you come up with, guess what? That is part of your problem in the relationship. Wanting to go through and try and blame everything on the male patriarchy or that your whole ideas and everything that you want to do is so great that the only reason anybody could ever want to disagree with you is because of the male patriarchy power structure. Ooh, yes, this episode gets in a little bit to a political topic, but I want to be able to point out that just like there can be toxic levels of, you know, masculinity, you know, we all know the type the guy who is just, you know, the complete overbearing a-hole. You know, I don't know why I censored myself there, but it's the guy that tries to be so overly macho that it seems like he's compensating for something. Well, the same is true for you women and your whole feminism thing. Now, feminism in, it, in and of itself is not necessarily bad. You know, it started off as being something that was pretty good. You know, promoting equality of opportunity, equality of pay, you know, wanting to be able to, you know, go out there and be able to succeed just as much as a man. But long and behold, identity politics came into the picture and started t taking over the whole feminism movement to the point where feminism really has nothing to do with feminism. Go figure. So let me put it to you this way. If your whole idea is that feminism begins and ends with your right or your perceived right to have an abortion, no ifs, ands, buts about it for your convenience, guess what? You have taken feminism to a very toxic level. And if you're wanting to go off and blame everything on men, that you want to go off and say that anything that doesn't hand life to you on a silver platter must be part of uh, man's fault, uh, the male patriarchy structure, this is going to get into your relationship because if you really, truly, deeply believe that, how can you be with a man when you're perceiving him as an enemy, when you're perceiving him as an obstacle towards you being able to accomplish your dreams, your goals, what you want out of life? Everybody can go off and blame anybody else for you know, failures in life, for not being able to go anywhere. You know, um, you can blame the rich, you can blame men, you can blame, you know, a particular political party, you can blame uh, anybody who doesn't have your same skin color. This is what identity politics is. It's a situation in which you are put into a box and anybody who's not in that box with you is an enemy trying to hold you back. Now, this, of course, is a, a hindrance in a relationship. All right, so think about this. You're you know, going off to work. You don't have a particularly good day. You come home, and what do you see? 
you know, the guy in your life that you claim to be so in love with and you want to tear his head off because you want to equate him to some asshole that you encountered at work that, I don't know, stole credit for your idea or, you know, your boss is a male and he's an asshole and, you know, he, you know, did something that you didn't like as part of a management decision and you're thinking, oh, it must be because you're a woman. I mean, can you really seriously think that you're going to be able to have a healthy uh, relationship if you're thinking this way? And let's also think about this in the terms of intimacy, all right? In the terms of intimacy, you know, and sex, if you two take turns over who's taking control and who's being submissive, who's calling the shots at this particular time and who's calling the shots 10 minutes later, right? Because think about it, sex is a bunch of give and take. It is, you know, partially, you know, you wanting to figure out what your partner wants. Well, if you're already thinking that your partner is the enemy, how giving are you going to be in bed? No, you're going to take feminism to a place where you're thinking that, you know, being, you know, giving in the bedroom, that going off and helping him on his sexual pleasure in return for him focusing on your sexual pleasure is being too submissive. It's being too controlled by the patriarchy. Can you see where this is going to interfere in the bedroom? Especially if you like to get a little kinky. I mean, how are you going to enjoy being tied down and blindfolded if you're thinking about you know, the male patriarchy being a hindrance towards your feministic views. And, and I can keep going on this. How are you going to be uh, in missionary position, doggy style, in a swing, or, you know, handcuffed, or, you know, whatever fetish and, uh, you know, other things that you do to help add a little spice and excitement so it's not just the same missionary position each and every time. Now, yes, I get it. You know, equality of opportunity, equality of pay. These are good things to go for. But unfortunately, that is not the modern day feminist movement. Why? Because they already accomplished that. Now, you can argue uh, about, you know, what you've been told, you know, the talking points. Oh, women are still only making... 75 cents on the dollar, 80 cents on the dollar. And all of that has been debunked, right? Why? Because when you get down to an apples to apples comparison, the people with the same education, same age, same experience, our level of experience in a job, the pay is not only the same, but there's also a slight, uh, slight uh, advantage of women being paid a little bit more than men. And so there's a lot of things going on in the feminist movement that, you know, they can't stop promoting the idea that they are victims uh, when that is no longer the case for two reasons. One, they want to, you know, go off and dominate. They're not caring about equality. They want domination. And two, if they were uh, to admit that, you know, they already got what they claim to be wanting, well, the money would dry up. And all the so-called leaders of the movement uh, would then be out of a job, right? So they have a financial incentive to keep promoting this idea 
that you are a victim. And as long as you're buying into that, you're going to suffer in your relationship. Now, I want you to be able to really take this to heart. So let me give you a couple of examples here on how being too much into the identity politics version of feminism can be and how much that can damage your relationship. So let's say you've had a long day at work and, you know, you've come across a few assholes. And let me tell you something, women, you have uh, some pretty nasty people uh, in your gender as well. So you can't judge, you know, the whole uh, population by a few, especially if you're in a job situation where the only people that you encounter are people with problems, people who are contacting you because they have a problem and they need you to fix it and they want you to fix it now. That tends to pretty much lean only towards having assholes to speak with. You know, and when you're in a work environment, there are people who are very, very competitive. And that competitive nature, you know, they could be one way at work and another way at home. But imagine you've had this long day at work. You've been uh, going to a few feminist rallies. Now you're at home with your guy. Things are starting to get a little, you know, heated. You know, you're starting to get a little you know, passionate, you know, a little horny and you want your guy. And now he starts making the approach on you. Okay. Are you on the point of the me too movement where you really want him to ask you whether or not you're in the mood? Do you really want him to ask you every 10 minutes, whether you're okay with having sex that night? My guess is in the real world, that would kill the mood and you would lose all interest. I, I, I get the point of the Me Too movement. Trust me, I, I, I do. And I get this whole idea of asking for consent. The problem is it's not very practical to ask beforehand because I, I, I just remember when I was dating, I didn't ask you know beforehand you know verbally. I relied on nonverbal communication. You know, we were, you know, on the dance floor. We were having fun. We had just met at the beginning of that song. Now, based off of, you know, the looks, the body movements, the, you know, closeness uh, of the dancing, I would determine whether or not that was going to be somebody that I was bringing home that night. And I would you know, start leaning in to maybe, you know, initiate, you know, kissing and all that. And then I would be judging uh, the response, uh, you know, during that time, you know, so, you know, there is, you know, not going straight into it to try and sneak one in, but there is that kind of, you know, nonverbal, you know, leaning in, getting closer, judging the response. And if you're at a situation where you're all of a sudden backing off going, no, 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 you didn't ask permission. Uh, I got a newsflash for you. All you do in that situation is just slightly, you know, move away, you know, turn uh, a little bit. And that is an answer. Okay. So much about, you know, sex and intimacy is nonverbal. And so it is impractical to always be asking, you know, up front. Okay, now let's say you got past the initiation, 
right? You got past it. You're already kissing. You're already starting to take each other's clothes off. Yes, yes, I get it. Long-term relationship is different than someone you just met. But I, I'm just trying to use some examples here because how are you even going to start a relationship by the rules of the identity politics version and the Me Too movement of, you know, of what is and isn't acceptable? And I will finish uh, up what I was saying here in a moment, but I just wanted to point out here that uh, for some of you, maybe the reason why you're having troubles, if you're single and you're listening to this, trying to figure out what your problem is, why it's so hard for you to even get a date, I will tell you why it's so hard for you to get a date. The Me Too movement. The Me Too movement has created a situation in which guys are you know, afraid that even just going up to you and asking you out on a date is potential sexual harassment is uh, a situation where, you know, they no longer think that, and this is amazing. They no longer think that the risk of getting rejected, you know, is worth it anymore. That sex is not worth the risk anymore because a rejection isn't just a no anymore uh, or giving them a fake phone number for a rejection line. Yeah, I read about that. Um, but now they're afraid that asking you out is going to land them with a sexual harassment case. If you're in school, you know, if you're a high schooler, you know, if you're a high schooler and listening to this, hopefully you're 18 or older. But if you're a high schooler and listening to this and you're wondering why a guy that you believe likes you is not asking you out, well, he's afraid of being uh, expelled or suspended for sexual harassment. Same thing uh, when it comes to college. You've made it, uh, the situation so toxic that guys, you know, young guys, you know, teenagers and early uh, to mid-20s who are primarily ruled by their desire to have sex, and it doesn't take much, are now at a situation where they're too afraid to even approach you to ask you out for a date because doing so could ruin their lives. And you wonder why you're having problems here. Now, you're hot and heavy. You finally got naked. You're in the bedroom. And what is it? And what do you normally do to start? Well, normally you start off with a little foreplay. And part of foreplay is giving your guy or the guy that you're having sex with that night a blowjob. You know, starting off with a blowjob. And of course, he returns the favor by eating you out. Well, what does a blowjob usually entail? A blowjob usually entails you, uh, if you're, you know, if he's standing up, dropping down to your knees. This is kind of a submissive move. I get it. But if you're heavily into the whole feminism, you know, to the extreme, you know, are you really going to be able to have any motivation dropping to your knees and giving a blowjob? No, you're going to be thinking about that as, you know, a domination move. You're going to be, you know, uh, rejecting or refusing to do that because, you know, you believe it's somehow betraying the progress that the women's movement has, you know, managed to obtain and that you are, you know, submitting or bowing to the male patriarchy, which is complete and utter bullshit to be thinking that way. You know, and I'm just being honest, that is a complete and utter bullshit way to be viewing about this. This is, you know, just about pleasure and giving uh, of yourself 
to your partner and your partner giving of themselves to you. Right? So you're starting to see where this uh, you know, extreme levels of feminism can create a problem. Now let's say you get past the you know, foreplay. What's the next move, right? What's the next situation that you're going to be involved in? Well, actual intercourse, right? If you start off with missionary position, again, you're on bottom with the guy on top of you. If you're an extreme feminist, you know, and going to toxic levels of feminism and wanting to avoid any situation in which a guy may be exerting, you know, uh, symbolic influence over you, you're not going to enjoy that, you know, and in return, your lack of enjoyment is going to have a lack of enjoyment for him. You know, so, I mean, I can keep going on like this, you know, even with doggy style and all that, but the point is you got to keep you know, your feminism in check to levels that are within the bounds of sanity, within the bounds of sanity. You know, so I got a few, uh, you know, uh, things uh, that I want to bring up here. Um, so there was a study that, you know, that had started uh, decades ago. And what it does is it periodically goes through and checks the measure of women's happiness. You know, how happy are women compared to men? Right? Seems like a reasonable question to be asking. And so they've tracked this, and ever since the start of the feminist movement, where women demanded that they have equal opportunity in the workforce, equal pay, equal, you know, basically get out of the house and track their own career. What has happened is that women have become less happy in life. More and more women are tracking that they are miserable. They don't like what they're doing. Life isn't what they wanted. You know, in which case I would say, yeah, no crap. You finally discovered that what men have known for a very long time, going, getting up and going to work for another boss sucks. You know, it, it really does suck. You have no control over your life, and nine out of ten times, you're not really doing what it is you want to do. You know, maybe you didn't get your dream job right away. And so you're not uh, happy. Of course, women are still slightly happier than men in life. And think about that. You want equality with men when men have less happiness and joy in life than you? Well, they started breaking it down into what was causing this. And what they had found is a lot of women you know, were unhappy because they weren't really doing what they wanted to do in life. Some of them felt like they had to work outside of the house, that they would rather you know, be at home you know, raising the kids, playing with them, you know, just having fun. In which case, you know, I'm with you on that. I mean, seriously, if you think that men aren't, you know, looking back and going, hmm, I wonder if we just let women do all the work, you know, go to work and earn all the income, and we just get to stay home and play all day with the kids, that wouldn't be a bad situation. Now I get it. You want to say, well, you got to cook and clean and, you know, uh, do laundry. Well, big whoop de doo That doesn't take nearly as much time as, 
I know going through and working 40 hours a week, I, I, I've been able to, you know, see with my wife, you know, from, you know, the time when she, you know, worked full time, you know, and dropping the kids off at daycare to when she was able to, you know, not work full time, just basically work, you know, Saturdays and Sundays and eliminate daycare. And she is a much happier person staying home, you know, five days a week. And she is because she gets to spend her time. Yes, she does, you know, some cleaning, but she generally only, you know, takes a look at two rooms a day and does it during our youngest nap time while the other two are watching, you know, a movie, right? So, and that isn't even every day. You know, that's not every day. That's, you know, maybe, you know, every other day, you know, which isn't uh, bad. And then, you know, cooking. Well, with me at work, all she's doing is cooking, you know, basically some snacks, you know, for the kids. So that doesn't take up a whole lot of time. And she gets to spend her time just planning out fun activities that she wants to do with the kids. You know, take them uh, to some event that's going on. Take them to the park and play. You know, she gets a swimming pool for the kids. You know, we have two older kids, you know, as well. You know, a big trampoline. You know, she plans activities and adventures, and she hasn't been happier. You know, or she's happier now than what she was, you know, working. But I get it. Some women believe that they have to work in the workforce, um, you know, for, you know, the rest of women, you know, because they're pressured to get out of the household. Now, I get it. You know, women, though, I get you. You're not all, you know, standard. You know, you're not all wanting the same thing. Some of you want to work in the home. Some of you uh, want to work outside the home. Hey, you know what? Don't let other people set the goal and agenda for your life for you. You determine whether you want to pursue a career or whether you want to be there raising your kids. You know, you don't have to pick or choose uh, between the two. It's not hard to see with this study that, you know, women, it's going to be hard for you to keep thinking you know, romantically, sexually, you know, be in the relationship, right? Because one, you're not as happy as you were decades ago, at least as a group. So if you're not as happy, you know, it's kind of hard to be aroused, turned on, wanting to have sex if you're upset, miserable, and angry, right? Now, secondly, if you think of the world as women versus men, that for women to succeed, men, the male patriarchy, must be torn down. Well, what do you think that's going to be in the relationship? I mean, this isn't a sitcom like Roseanne where, you know, you can go off and be insulting and tearing down your husband and expect to have a dedicated relationship. All right, so instead of thinking about things in the terms of feminism— if you want to have a good relationship, you got to be thinking about, you know, true equality. If you want him to treat you a certain way, it goes back to the golden rule. You got to treat him a certain way. Now, of course, I'm assuming that the guy himself is not an asshole, is not a douchebag, is not, 
you know, a manipulative, you know, person that you shouldn't be with to begin with. I'm assuming that this is the real deal and you got a good guy. Right? You got to be willing to treat him the way you want to be treated. You got to be willing to be submissive at times and dominant at other times. And you got to be able to find the balance of that because what you want is a true partnership, not the idea that it's, you know, you versus him. Right? If you have the you versus him, it's not going to succeed what is the point? Why are you even trying to have a relationship? You know, you versus him uh, in the bedroom. You versus him out of the bedroom. Right? Versus, you know, you and him, you know, building a life together. Equal goals and understanding of wanting uh, to be there for each other and fulfill each other's needs. And let's take a look at what the other option is. Well, I guess the other option is you can go uh, and become a lesbian, in which case you don't have the problem of women versus men. As long as you can uh, learn to enjoy the taste of another woman's pussy, I guess uh, you're just fine. You know, you can you know, go as extreme feminism as you want. But if you don't like that taste, uh, like men do, uh, then you're going to have to learn how to either, you know, be you know, more equal with men in your life or just not date altogether. And hey, if you don't want to date uh, any guys or be in any relationship, I've seen uh, some great articles about what the best vibrators are, uh, you know, for women based off of other women's reviews. Heck, I even saw an article on how you can use a fish in your masturbation to make it seem, you know, a little more and feel a little more realistic. Now, if you're having to resort to masturbating with a fish or reading articles that has you considering that masturbating with a fish might be a good idea, you might have gone a little too far in the whole feminism movement to a radical extreme. And as guys will tell you, there's an old saying about, you know, what to do if it smells like trout down there. All right. And if you don't know it, uh, if it tastes like chicken, keep on licking. If it tastes like trout, get the hell out. Now we know why to get out if it's if it smells like trout, because you are likely to be uh, unbearable and miserable to be with. All right. Now, does this entire conversation suddenly mean that you can no longer fight for the ideas that, you know, women should be equal? No, that's not what I'm saying here. If you're talking about wanting equal opportunity and equal pay, hey, that is great. But if you're talking about the situation that, you know, uh, the male patriarchy must be torn down and women must rule over everything, that's where you start getting into a toxic level, toxic extremes. And before you start going to your next event, in which case you're likely to bring that home, maybe you should start doing some research to figure out whether or not what you're being told actually lines up with reality. Okay. So uh, that's it uh, for this episode. I got a little bit uh, more political you know, and talking about, you know, feminism. But 
I thought it was important to bring this up considering how much, you know, bull crap there is out there about how masculinity is toxic and, you know, we must tear down the male patriarchy. You know, something tells me these women do not have robust, fulfilling sex lives, robust, uh, fulfilling relationships. You know, I, you know, if these women, you know, either are, you know, still single and therefore they're probably uh, pretty resentful or they're in a relationship uh, with a guy who I guess you could say is a complete doormat, you know, doesn't stand up for anything, therefore, you know, doesn't have uh, the means by which to satisfy, you know, a woman, you know, because men do need to, let's face it, women, take a look at what you say you're looking for in a guy. And then the guys you actually date and go out with. Think about that. Think about that. Because there is also a lot of studies showing that, you know, younger the younger generation is having less sex than any other generation. Why? Well, women, you know, kept telling men what they wanted in men. Men tried to uh, emulate that because, of course, you know, men want sex. And then the women found that the men act in the way they've, you know, stated they want them to act. They found them unappealing as sexual mates. And they were just, you know, friends. So take a look at the guys that you have been in relationships with. The guys you've had, uh, you know, one night stands with. And then take a look at what you claim you want in a guy. Are they the same? Be honest. Guys do need to be guys because what we're attracted to has a lot to do with instinct and, you know, nature, you know, programming. So just remember that. Same thing goes with what guys are attracted to in women. All right. So I want to be able to, you know, take the time here to, Thank you for listening. I know this isn't, you know, the typical show, right? But the fact that you've listened all the way through means a lot to me. And women, you know, I want you to really assess the situation here. I want you to really go through and take a look at what it is you're advocating for, what it is that you claim you want or what you claim you believe in, and then do a full audit, you know, do a full audit as to whether or not what you say lines up with what is actually happening and what you claim you want, if that matches the reality of what you really desire. It's a simple ask. All right, that's it uh, for this episode. Thank you for listening. Hey, leave me a rating and a review, and I will be back again soon. Hey, this is where I face it, you're